thank you for joining us here on the Spooky October podcast. The podcast that's going to make your knees shiver and your stomach queasy. (laughs) I'm your host, uh, the pumpkin that's full of self-doubt. And I'm here with a very special guest. Uh, I am your co-host for today, Devin Kilvioya. Oh, dude, this guy comes up like you think that I tell him this stuff in advance. I'm sorry that I broke the illusion of the thing. I mean, you'd think that I told him. <laughs> <laughs> Not just historian, but comedian. Any, uh, sure. Yeah. 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 I'd give you that one. Uh, have you ever done an open mic before? No, I've wanted to for a while. Um, it's honestly just that the pandemic happened yeah. when was by the time I had kind of thought of it. And then I just kind of needed to like, I don't know, come up with some stuff to say, but honestly, I'm probably the kind of person who could probably just like maybe drop something good and then just walk in there with no lines. You yeah. You, you, you have your, your staples. Um, we should be talking about something spooky though. Uh, what's your favorite monster? Uh, we, what, 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 uh, what, if you could be any monster, what would you want to be? That's a better question. Oh, I'd want to be a dragon, man be a dragon Fucking, okay you can yeah. fly you can shoot fire plus you like sit around hoarding yeah. gold and shit living yeah. in mountains i can't imagine what's better see i i always figured the fire breathing thing was kind of like a like a misinterpretation of what was actually happening because if you just like have a small fire and a, just a big like creature was breathing on it it would make it a big fire that's what i always kind of thought with that right that it wasn't actually that they were breathing fire but there's a, a lot of reference in lore to magic being tied to music or to singing. Okay. So I often wonder if maybe dragons just didn't spit mad fire. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like they didn't actually spit fire. They were just like yeah. the original yeah, rap yeah, battling, yeah. Yeah, you know, they were but just with like, magic. They were just like really skilled on the mic, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of being skilled on the mic, this is not... <laughs> The, the spooky October the podcast. Spooky October podcast, and hopefully, I I'm not a pumpkin filled with self doubt because we got to do a good podcast today, and you know those types of uh, mindsets are not going to be helpful for this episode <laughs> of the Photography Friends podcast, which is about Kennedy again. Everybody, <laughs> I'm I'm your photographer Jared Poirier, and I'm here with our resident uh, handsome man Devin. Kivio, yeah. How you doing, man? How's your week been? Go two weeks because we took a. How's your two weeks? We took a week off for Canadian Thanksgiving. We did, yeah. Uh, it's been a. It's been a pretty decent two weeks. I actually I lost my phone the weekend oh, of yeah. uh, Thanksgiving, which mm. uh, which was frustrating, and uh, definitely there was probably a whole lot of important stuff that I needed to remember on there. But I don't know. Oh. I'm sure it'll figure itself out. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably in your brain. I mean, I was going to try to give you the pass on that one and just use the excuse of we took the week off for for Thanksgiving, you know, much like the CIA. I wanted to have the official story, but, you know, you you've gone with the truth. And and I appreciate that, Devin. So there's there's really nothing shameful about the truth here. You know what? Accidents happen sometimes. It's true, man. Sometimes they they do happen. And hopefully this podcast wasn't an accident. I've been having a good time. I'm definitely not obsessed with this topic. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say you're obsessed with this topic, Mm. but uh, I would say that even though I've known you for a long time, I wouldn't have guessed the amount of um, of passion that you would have for the topic. Uh, I didn't didn't anticipate that. Well, I'm passionate about uh, politics, man. I'm passionate about that. And I'm passionate about uh, democracy, I guess. That sounds cheesy. But anyways, uh, these days, honestly. Yeah, it should shouldn't be. Anyways, but our sponsor is, of course, CloudSpot. Devin, the easiest way for photographers to deliver and sell their photos online. It's weird that I hear the music in my head now when I'm saying it. Anyways, uh, you can experience beautiful galleries, grammar-proof image downloads, and custom storefronts for sales. You guys know the drill. If you want 55-0% off for the first 12 months, you're going to go down the description. You're going to click that link. Uh, and let's talk about some sources for today's episode. Uh, what do you have? What's like your big main source for today, man? So a couple things for today. Oh, today I have the autopsy report wow. um, from the hospital in uh, Dallas, mm-hmm. as well as the autopsy report from the Naval Hospital. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was also, I was on archives.gov, which is basically the U.S. government's website for sharing and disseminating any documents that are available for so the much stuff to see. on there man really cool yeah There's so many primary sources on there it's nuts yeah a lot so i uh i kind of like picked apart uh the warren commission report uh cool. this morning wow um, yeah. and a bit last night but uh in a big way this morning the autopsy reports are the sort of thing that like there's a lot of medical details in there that um wouldn't necessarily stick with me the way history would. So it's yeah. better for me to have read an autopsy report. Well, at about six this morning, rather than, uh, at a, you know, like over the course of the last few weeks, because enough, it's like, man. there's a bunch of words in there, you know, um, <laughs> there's a bunch of words, in there. you, you know? know, medical words, they're words, just big words. <laughs> so many words. That is a problem with this topic. There are a lot of words involved. There's uh, a lot of yeah. documents on the topic, to be honest, <laughs> oh, for because sure. like, I didn't realize until just the other day, there are still, there have still been uh, like movements put forward in the US House about the Kennedy assassination in perpetuity since it happened. Mm. Like, this isn't just a thing that the public are interested in, or that's that there's interest in about in, on the internet. Yeah. You know, congressmen and senators, they still want to know about this. The, the government is still trying to find out what the mm-hmm. government knows about this. Yeah, crazy. And uh, yeah, still new things being released like that are just coming out. Even there was a big release of uh, CIA documents, right? In uh, last year, uh, December last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard a lot of people say that the release of those documents wasn't a huge change from what you had before because a lot of those documents had been released with redactions, okay. which I guess is when they like take the black marker and put it, sure. put it kind of put it over it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm given to understand that when redacted uh, things are released, um, political think tanks and like poli sci experts and stuff will pick through them and try to try to get the details out of them. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, um, I think that probably um, no matter what it is, there's just so much, there's so much volume of information mm-hmm. to be gone through that it would really be hard to say what's really relevant and what's not. Yeah. Well, you just kind of have to read through a lot of it and, you know, decide for yourself, like if you can back it up with more sources and, you know, find out what's actually legit, which is, you know, kind of fun and maybe a little bit frustrating to do. But we're uh, hopefully going to save our listeners a lot of the trouble of like digging into this stuff and keep it photo related as well. We do have a uh, an excellent photo of the episode for this one. And I should also note that we're going to be focusing this whole episode, hopefully <laughs> around uh, the day that Kennedy actually died. Um, Friday, November 22nd. Uh, There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of things happened on that day. So one of my main sources, uh, I was telling you earlier, I've been reading this book uh, by Clint Hill uh, with help uh, by Lisa McCubbin. I guess that she's like fact checking and kind of, you know, organizing his thoughts into a book because this is, uh, you know, uh, not really a writer. Uh, This guy was in the Secret Service. He's actually the Secret Service agent who you can see in the uh, Zabruder film and I think some other photos of the event uh, of the shooting of Kennedy. He's the guy who actually jumps on the car to protect Jackie. Uh, yeah, uh, some other sources on my side here, um, archive.gov, uh, Devin may have mentioned there's like the Warren report and the house select committee, uh, on assassinations. That one was in 79. I did. I did see that one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important one. Um, I think it's like, it's obviously less rushed than the one that was in 64. So, you know, they, they look into some other possibilities, some things that were, uh, arguably overlooked in the Warren report. Uh, and the, the summaries of these are like really nice to read, you know, you can dig right in and, and find, yeah, all of the like primary sources and stuff that they're dealing with in those. But, uh, just to read the summaries is also like very helpful in terms of like their conclusions and whatnot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, jfklibrary.org. That's one that I turned you on to, I think, Devin. Uh, yeah, quite that one was pretty cool. Tons of good resources on there. Uh, yeah, just like really fascinating stuff. And once you've actually researched this this topic quite a bit, it's interesting, like how many of the same things kind of come up and reoccur. And you can see like different people's uh, opinions of a, of a situation, different people's um, recollection of it. And, you know, I think somewhere in the middle is where the truth actually is. So it's incredible though. What an impact this man had on 
on on the nation but even like we're not even american and we're talking about it you know yeah, on the on world the in less than a full term of presidency you yeah. Know? yeah that we're still talking about it that everybody still cares this much yeah and it's what like 60 years later or something yeah something like that yeah. Uh, so just before we're going to dive in, we're going to talk about uh, that uh, infamous day, November the 22nd, 1963. Uh, we do have to mention here in Correction Corner that uh, I was definitely wrong about the date of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I probably said a bunch of times in the last episode, <laughs> the date 1963. Uh, that doesn't make sense. That's the date that he died. <laughs> so 62 was the Cuban Missile Crisis late in 62. That's been Correction Corner. <laughs> unless you got more do you have any more anything else that we uh fucked up? i don't think i have anything no. to add i mean yeah. like i didn't particularly notice i didn't jump yeah. in I, I get credit here too but yeah uh, yeah or whatever the opposite of credit is blame <laughs> yeah well but, i don't know yeah. blame sounds blame sounds so um so catholic let's let's just take credit <laughs> for it yeah <laughs> but in honor of kennedy shouldn't we do the catholic one Anyways, that's fair. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I'm ethnically Catholic, so um, I I feel like I yeah okay I'll play along. Just another way that you're it's like blame Kennedy. That we're taking blame. Yeah, we'll take the blame on that one. You guys do have to know that like we're not getting any research help on this. Like this is really purely just like two guys who are passionate about it who have read like I don't know I dude a lot <laughs> now a yeah lot. and and Jared has like four full time <laughs> jobs. I don't really have an excuse, but Jared and this is busy. one of and this is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's just get some basic facts, you know. Uh, we're talking Dealey Plaza. We're talking Dallas, Texas. Uh, just to give a little bit of historical perspective before we really dig into the facts of the day, uh, Kennedy was the fourth president assassinated uh, after Lincoln, Garfield, and McKinley. Uh, Garfield, very famously, was assassinated on a Monday uh, in a... Uh, very tragic lasagna accident. No, that's a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't resist. He was actually assassinated on a Monday, though, which is which is nuts. <laughs> well, that's uh, just another reason to hate Mondays, I guess. Yeah, true for him especially. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is the the assassination of John F. Kennedy was the first of four major assassinations in the 1960s. Uh, the other ones being Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and of course Bobby Kennedy also gets assassinated in the 60s. Um, the some stuff about like the arrival in Texas. You know, let's let's get started on. Uh, what happened on the day of Kennedy's death? Uh, Kennedy arrives in Texas. As we said before, the biggest reason for doing this is political, I'd say, right? Um, yeah, I mean, in America, you start campaigning a year ahead for those presidential elections, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, as I understand it, he was campaigning. Uh, he was with, well, kind of pre-campaigning. He was in the car with his wife and the governor of Texas, as well as his wife. Mm -hmm. and their Secret Service agents and uh, Johnson and Lady Bird were in the car behind them. And I think they were with either a senator or a congressman from, from Texas. I can't remember which. Yeah, I think you're right. Even um, before that, though, there's, uh, you know, just like one thing that I did want to note um, when, when Kennedy arrived, um, you know, on Air Force One, the, the mix of like supporters and opposition, right? So, you know, a lot of the time when you'll see footage of, uh, of the motorcade and stuff from that day, it's very focused around like the positive, right? Like people supporting Kennedy, you'll hear about like him meeting some kids and some supporters and shaking hands and all of that, right? Like, and everyone's saying like, man, Kennedy is the best, but there was quite a lot of uh, oppositions. There were people who were even holding up signs that like had Kennedy's face, like a wanted poster, right? Like wanted for, you know, not standing up to the commies or whatever and stuff yeah, like he that. He definitely wasn't a universally popular president. Uh, that doesn't mean that he wasn't popular though. I don't, yeah, there's never been a, not in a country as like different, like different as America, right? In terms of like the two sides of the spectrum, it's like pretty split up. So it's almost impossible, I'd say, for someone to be. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I heard a statistics teacher say once that um, the larger uh, the sample size gets for de democratic vote, the closer you'll get most times to, to parity, hmm. especially yeah. if you only have two options. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? So That's the, just... the larger your population gets, the the tighter your votes will get every time. 
I'm sure there's a math person who can explain that and understand it perfectly, but it's not me. Yeah, that's not <laughs> us, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also I'll also note uh, in the like footage and photos of you know Kennedy arriving and you know uh, getting in the motorcade and stuff, a notable amount of Confederate flags. Devin, that doesn't surprise me, but I think that that was a lot more common at the time than it is now, and mm-hmm. in a much more. Um, like in a in a much less um, obvious way. Yeah. Like I think that back then that that wasn't really people putting out Confederate flags to protest Kennedy. That was just it was because honestly that issue never really died in the South. Yeah, they just love it. I guess I don't know. Anyways, it's oh, kind I mean, of weird, but it's 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 at this point it's basically less than a hundred years from the end of the Civil War. Yeah. You know, and it's not that long ago for them. Yeah, just what it represents and stuff like that to me. Like Absolutely, I almost yeah. can't I almost can't believe that it it's just so accepted there and so normal. But anyways, uh that's just that's just the South, I guess. That's something to understand one dynamic. That's about a whole other podcast. South. Yeah. So uh yeah, we can get into the motorcade here. Uh there is the yeah, like Devin was saying, the lead car, uh the police chief and sheriff are in that one. Then there's the presidential limo. You talked about that, everyone who was on there. Uh Bill yeah. Greer Bill Greer you didn't mention he's the Secret Service uh the guy who was secret service member whatever you call it what do you call them secret service agent they're agents yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh he's the driver uh the car itself was a uh customized lincoln continental midnight blue uh just in case you want to get one (laughs) so you can go and look up a 1960s uh lincoln continental midnight blue um they dubbed it the ss 100 x uh ss standing for secret service i guess that's Uh, so cool yeah, and then you also have uh, some notable um, members of the Secret Service, uh, George Hickey and Clint Hill. Uh, we'll talk about both of those guys later. Clint Hill, especially since uh, one of my sources for this is, you know, his, his personal account of the day. Yeah, uh, and we can get into the shots here if you're ready for that. Um, yeah, sounds good. So, um I guess the best way to say it is that uh, at some point, um, as they're kind of approaching an underpass, which leads into a, another square that they're headed towards, mm-hmm. uh, the shots are fired. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the, the Zabruder film, which we're going to cover later, catches some of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kennedy is hit um, through the neck and through the head. And uh, one of those bullets passes through him and into the governor in front of them. Mm-hmm. And both cars immediately proceed straight to the hospital from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the this secret surgeons. Yeah, this, sorry, I just want to note that this is at uh, 1230. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Secret Service agents immediately do what they're trained to do, which is to jump on top of the people they're protecting and cover that's them right. with their bodies. Yeah, that's what Hill does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so then the cars proceed straight to the hospital and Kennedy is brought into the hospital and they try to revive him, treat him for his wounds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so just from Hill's personal recollection of that day, uh, he hears the shots, uh, coming from behind the president. Like that's one thing that he notes. And he says that, and this is, this is a little bit weird to me. Um, is it the flurry of shells? No, uh, it's this okay. thing. So he says that like the shot like hit the president in the back of the head right behind his right ear. And uh-huh. I find it very strange that he would have that detailed. Like when you How would he have s- known that then? Yeah. So it's weird that it's it's probably just that he's writing it like that, you know. Um, but anyways, I just thought that was a little bit strange. Uh, and then, you know, the this is like the very tragic thing of a Jackie and I don't want to like get into it too much. This isn't really the point of this podcast is to be gruesome about it. Uh, but two quotes from her on that day, like uh, in that moment, very like just disturbing and uh, you know, heart wrenching. Uh, she said, I have his brains in my hands and uh, less talked about, but she whispered to him, I love you, Jack. That's uh, something that Hill actually noted. And, and he was right there. So he would have uh, seen that stuff. Multiple sections of the Warren commission report, including both autopsy reports mention uh, specifically from the first hospital. uh, The doctor mentions that um, 
when he walks in to do his own bit that he can see Kennedy's brains out on the stretcher. That's that's referenced yeah. multiple times in this, yeah. uh, very graphically. Yeah, well, it, especially yeah, in autopsies and stuff, it's it gets graphic. Uh, so yeah, at the Parkland Memorial Hospital, uh, Kennedy arrives there. They do some things. There's this, uh, you know, they have to try to treat him, even though, you know, like like you said, there's it's pretty hopeless at that point uh malcolm perry is the doctor who performs the tracheotomy or whatever trachea tracheostomy yeah, the autopsy call report, they call it a tracheostomy essentially okay. they intubate him through the neck yeah through that actual wound that you talked about yeah exactly uh, the, the first bullet that hit him uh hit him in the back uh and went straight through the neck and then the second one was the uh was the kill shot in the head there so yeah, yeah. they uh, had him on yeah. forced breathing for a while but what essentially it says here is that um, they were unable, they were massaging the heart to keep it going, but they were unable to get it to go on its own. And eventually they just stopped. Yeah. Uh, at some point, um, the Catholic priest arrives, administers last rites. Uh, so at that point, Kennedy dies uh, 30 minutes after arriving at the hospital. And then Earl Rose is actually the doctor who is supposed to perform the autopsy. So he's actually denied the chance to perform a full autopsy. And there's this is what you were saying, right? Like when you were looking at the records um, that you're like a little bit like, whoa, well, where is this? Like, why are there kind of two autopsy reports or why is this one not done? And what the heck is going on? So that's actually the um, like different elements of the government, Secret Service, uh, you know, LBJ himself and stuff like that. We're pushing to get Kennedy out of that place and uh, actually perform the hospital or perform the autopsy in like a military hospital. Yeah. It went even beyond that. The secret service took all the negatives of any imaging and scans that they had done, basically removed everything from the hospital and brought it all back to the white house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty wild stuff. So, yeah. you know, when you get into the conspiracy side of things that can get kind of, you know, that can kind of be fuel for that, obviously. Um, the the whole thing about that, too, is that it was against Texas law for for that to happen. Like, according to Texas law, if someone's killed in Texas, the autopsy should be done in Texas. Uh, yeah. You know, so one of these things where <laughs> I guess uh, state laws are conflicting with federal laws and there's like actually a fight over Kennedy's body, like literally like people like grabbing the the Gertie or whatever you call it and being like, he's coming with us. And they're like, no, you're and a lot of swearing and stuff like that, too. People say like, oh, a lot of swearing was going on. So. I can imagine that it. So especially at that time in the nation, it was like an unprecedented sort of thing in a way, like presidents had been assassinated before, but that was when the government was smaller, mm -hmm. you know, and um, post-World War II, the government was such a, such a, it was a much bigger thing. It was more ever present in people's lives. And so it was like a little bit more impactful for yeah. everybody, right? Plus yeah. the mass media element. Yeah, they didn't fully have plans for a lot of this stuff. I mean, there's like the succession plan. If the president dies, then you have the uh, the vice president is there to take over. But then a lot of those other details, you know, they don't really get hashed out until they get stress tested like this, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about this, but the 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 three shots thing is interesting as well. So if you look at the, the Warren Commission uh, from 64, you know, happened right after. Um, uh, LBJ puts this thing together to basically explain this. It says Oswald acted alone and there's three shots, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which the three shots thing um, that pairs up with a lot of uh, people who are there, like the testimony of people who are there, but not everybody, I guess. And uh, not everybody agrees that the shots came from the book depository either, but we can talk about that later. The House Select Committee uh, in 79, interestingly, you know, they're literally investigating the same thing, trying to look at the same documents, but also, you know, other documents that weren't available at the time. Uh, it's interesting that the House Select Committee says that there's, quote, a high probability of a second shooter. And this is based on uh, radio evidence, like um, one of the cops radios who happened to be open and you could hear yeah. like a fourth shot on that. Uh, this has since been like largely discredited um, that basically it was just like a misinterpretation. Maybe it's like a radio picking up a radio. Can't really rely on that too much. Uh, so people have um, definitely, you know, 
cast shade on that idea. Uh, but just this interesting thing that the House uh, Select Committee came to a different conclusion here. Uh, and uh, a quote, maybe this is, we'll get into the photo of the episode right after this, but maybe this is the quote of the episode. Uh, it's something that Connolly, uh, Governor Colin, Connolly uh, said. So he was he was in the car with Kennedy, as uh, yeah. Devin mentioned, uh, something that he said to Kennedy just as they were rolling into Dealey Plaza. Mr. Kennedy, you can't say that they don't love you here in Dallas. Yeah. Ooh. Famous last words, right? Like Ooh, raises the hair, right? Like that's nice. yeah, exactly. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Do you want, so? Let's get into the photo of the episode, if you don't mind. Yeah, sounds good. I had it up a minute ago, and I'm just bringing it back now. So, um, I'm looking at LBJ, and uh, just I never realized before how much he looks like uh, Woody Harrelson. My God, and um, <laughs> just kidding. That's a that's a joke about the movie. But no, he's uh, he's got his hand on uh, what I know to be a Sunday missile, which I think is like a book of um, of hymns, I think. Something like that. Um, Some type of Christian thing. And uh, he's got his right hand in the air. He's obviously doing the thing where he's uh, he's swearing the oath. He's mm-hmm. surrounded by people like the he's on Air Force One and this this cabin that he's in, whatever part of it is just packed. Um, Jackie's beside him. She's still wearing the jacket she was wearing in the car. And uh yeah, there's a not a so there's not a smiling face in the entire bunch. Definitely and not. And that maybe may not be unprecedented for a presidential swearing in, but it's probably rare. Yeah, there's maybe some people in the picture who are hiding a smile. LBJ might be, I don't know. Honestly, I wonder. But it doesn't really seem like it. That's for sure. Uh the photo itself was shot by this guy, uh, Cecil W. Stoughton. He was Kennedy's White House photographer. He actually uh, shot some very famous photos of Kennedy, including the only photo of JFK, RFK, and Marilyn Monroe all together in one photo, uh, which is pretty cool. And he went on to be uh, Johnson's uh, White House photographer after that. He, for the photo nerds out there, this was shot on his Hasselblad camera. And uh, according to Cecil's account, Hasselblad's back. Uh, according to Cecil himself, uh, he, because I actually read his account of the day, uh, he said that he knew it was tasteless to take that photo, like, but he needed to capture history. And I honestly think that he's like, a big part of this is that these events like the the government and that is supposed to belong to the people, right? Like this is supposed yeah. to be open. It's America is supposed to be an open society and stuff like that. So we should be able to see what's going on. So I'm really glad that he took this photo. Uh, yeah, though, I agree with his know. perspective there. It's unfortunate for President Kennedy's wife, but like, um, unfortunately, once he became the president, in a way, he sort of became pu- almost public property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, in terms of some other people in the photo, uh, he's being sworn in by U.S. District Court Judge Sarah Hughes. Not sure if you mentioned that. Uh, some other people there, press advisor. Uh, that's the the one guy who's over in the corner on the left uh, who With looks the wide like... wide eyes there? Yeah, wide eyes. <laughs> old wide eyes. Yeah. That is uh, Kennedy's press advisor uh it's the woman peeking over lbj's sh- shoulder is his wife lady bird his wife yeah yeah um just one detail as well about jackie like you you mentioned that she kept the chanel the pink chanel suit on uh even though it was like stained with like blood and brains and stuff uh so yeah. maybe that's her quietly making some type of statement which you could I'm sure read into uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, Hill, who was there, um, Clint Hill, uh, he mentioned that, like, just a personal story that, like, Jackie actually was expressing concern for him, like, being like, oh, man, this is bad. What's going to happen to you and stuff like that, which I thought really? was, like, yeah, very, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, in that type of situation, I don't think I'd be thinking about anybody else, but. I mean, like, it almost seems like a, a sort of dissociation, right? Like, um, like she might have been like sort of mentally escaping into that or like not really processing what she was going through. Perhaps. Or also like one thing that one angle of it that I was kind of considering is that because he because Kennedy had like so many health problems, um, maybe she had like mentally prepared. Obviously not for that. Right. 
that maybe she had mentally prepared herself in some way, like for his death or like what that would be like for her. Right. I guess so. I mean, is it also like, I, maybe it's not inconceivable to think that he might've known through what he was doing that he was going to upset people. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like the, the political situation was really hot. Yeah. It was really hot to begin with. And, um, he had, his father had leveraged his contacts in organized crime to help his son get elected. And then his son got elected and started going after organized crime like like no government had before. Um, obviously, um, you know, right-wing Cuban elements were very unhappy about the Bay of Pigs. Like like I said earlier, Kennedy was, was popular, but he was also, yeah, very unpopular with certain elements. There were a lot of people who didn't like him. Yeah, so we can move on to the actual autopsy, which takes place uh, at uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital. Now, interesting, this was actually Jackie's decision. And I didn't really believe this at first when I read it, when I read that like Jackie was the one who suge- uh, suggested Bethesda, and that's why they did it there. But it seems like that's actually true. Like she, reading it, multiple sources. Yeah, I don't find that unlikely. So it's very, very... So typically Bethesda Naval Hospital always provides like a specific doctor for the president, right? Uh, well, also the fact that he was in the Navy, right? He was a Navy man. Yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And then one of the angles that I find like really mind-opening to me, like as I was reading this, um, just digging into it more, the degree to which like all of this stuff is unfolding at the exact same time, because on the way to Bethesda, I think by the time the plane actually lands in Washington, uh, Air Force One, the 707, yeah. Oswald's already been arrested. Yeah. So this, that, this stuff is like, just, just to, again, like try to put yourself in the the mindset of like Jackie or somebody who was on that plane or even LBJ, right? Like how these things are unfolding so quickly that it's like, how do you even process any of it? Right. When, especially since you don't know what's happening yet. Right. Like all these, there's, there's all these events happening and, and you're getting all this information about it, but you still haven't formed this clear picture of like, okay, A to B, who's done this and where did it come from? And so like, that's right. I'm sure that a lot of people's first assumption was that there was some kind of conspiracy. So, or yeah, um, well, you should consider the amount of heat actually at this moment, because like there are people who are wondering, Oh, is America like under a crazy attack right now? Will they be going after LBJ next? Like what happened? What, what does happen if they kill the president and then kill the vice president? And there's even talk of, you know, what if this is like the, you know, the first event of a larger like nuclear attack, if it's like we're going to kill your president and then throw the nukes. Right. So people are people are worried about that as well. So, you know, when you look at some of these things that happen and you kind of it will look sloppy to us. Right. You do have to consider that. And I'm not trying to make excuses for anyone. I'm just saying that, like, to give wider context to all of this, like. Yeah, so many things happening at the same time and just like a very hot situation and very unprecedented as well. Sometimes a hot mess can make for the perfect crime, right? Like, mm, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the the best time to slip them in. A lot of uh, distraction for sure. So um, yeah. the Bethesda uh, Naval Hospital, the actual autopsy that goes on there. I have uh, an account from Hill, uh, that I can read to you, but do you want to, cause you, you said that you went into the, uh, this particular Okay. If you want to get into that right now, we can do that. It's pretty long, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, uh, if you want to read the entire thing, that'd be great. No, it's <laughs> just like, whatever. <laughs> uh, so it does say, uh, the, the pro sector. So I guess the person in charge was commander JJ Humes. Uh, United States Navy and his assistant was Commander Jay Thornton Boswell, United States Navy. And then mm-hmm. I think there was also somebody in the room, Lieutenant Colonel Pierre A. Fink, hmm. um, Marine Corps, USA, actually. Um, says cause of death, gunshot wound, head. It's pretty succinct. I'd say that covers it. Uh, there's a couple paragraphs basically explaining... Um, what happened according to available information deceased president jfk riding an open car motorcade during official visit to dallas texas 
goes on to explain the gunfire and stuff like that. And then um, it goes into the the particulars of an autopsy, which don't necessarily always uh, completely focus straight away on what's happened. So they go straight into describing his body. Um, they say, which I, I find this interesting too, because you can clearly see that he's got gray hair when you look at pictures of him. They say that he has uh, reddish ha brown hair and uh, abundant amounts and stuff like that. It's the body of a, a muscular man. Um, it's interesting, like, the kinds of things that they go into. But uh, they come to the conclusion that um, even though you wouldn't expect a bullet of that type to to do the kind of damage it did, I guess the way it hit the skull caused it to expand out and uh, blow that side of his head right out, basically, and do more damage than uh, than you would have expected. And that was basically what did it. Okay. Yeah, there's... There's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, to, there certainly there's a is. lot to unpack in all of those statements. But you know, just to to stick it to the facts. Uh, yeah, one one bullet that went through the the back and the neck. Uh, another bullet that went through the head and uh, the like head flap thing. I think is important to note, like the way that is. Yeah, you said his head kind of exploded, and there's like a. It's gruesome to talk about, but like a head flap thing that you can see going on. Uh, yeah, I didn't really want to get into the details of describing that. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. It's gross, but I think that it's, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about what actually happened and kind of it, dissect the, the events, like so the, maybe the way the that they said it, I guess, yeah. is clearly visible in the above described large skull defect and extruding from it is lacerated brain tissue, which on close ins inspection proves to represent the major portion of the right cerebral hemisphere. So what they're saying is that most of his right hemisphere of his brain is now protruding from his skull. Yeah, it's gross, but uh, maybe maybe important in figuring out like, that's what's that's how lethal on. the shot was essentially yeah. that particular shot, anyways. Mm. Uh, the there's also the stuff about the casket. Did you get any? Did you get into anything on this? Because by the from uh, Air Force One to uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital, he's in a different casket. He's in a different casket on Air Force One than he arrives in at Bethesda Naval Hospital. And he's in a body Somehow bag. that doesn't surprise me, but I can't think of why. Um, but no, I did not did not get into that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I don't know. We'll get into it next episode when we talk about conspiracies. <laughs> there is one interesting thing here I see in the autopsy report. It says the brain is removed and preserved for further study following formal infixation. Now, here's my question. Is that brain still around somewhere? It's missing. It's. Are you serious? I am serious, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. Uh, oh so Kennedy, <laughs> Kennedy's uh, funeral. Let's talk about that, because I think anything further on the autopsy is getting into, you know, episode four territory, which which we'll definitely get to. Uh, the funeral. Since we like to talk pictures, yeah. Kennedy's funeral really does have one of those seminal pictures from the whole event, actually. Okay, awesome. Um, I guess it's if that you... picture of. Oh, God. Yeah, if you want to find that, it's that one. that picture of JFK Jr. Um, and he's, there it is. It's actually his whole family. So it's a picture of, you can see Robert Kennedy and you can see Jackie. She's dressed up in black. She's got the veil on. And uh, you can also see Carolyn and Robert Jr. And Robert Jr. is saluting the, uh, the, the, the casket as it goes by. Hmm. What would you search That's if one you wanted those, to... Like, what would you search if you wanted to bring that up? JFK Jr. Kennedy funeral? I'll probably do it, uh, right? Go Kennedy's funeral and then just click images. Yeah. here If you search that, I just search those words and it brings it up, right? The two kids are there and stuff? Yeah, the two kids yeah. are there. And yeah, like I said, Jackie's got a veil on and uh, hmm. and uh, the kid's wearing a, a pea coat and he's got the salute up, the four fingers. Oh, yeah. I see that. Wow. Yeah, it's a that's an impactful image for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I... If I remember right, that was like that was it was a popular image. That was one that that made the rounds. Uh, there are two hundred and fifty thousand people who attend Kennedy's funeral in Washington. Um, just a testament to how many people like loved and respected Kennedy, and how much of a you know just a disaster this was for the nation, right? Um, yeah, so as somebody who's probably been to way too many funerals at my age, I think I would say that um, 
even though I agree that the amount of people that went to his funeral really does reflect uh, how important he was to people, uh, funerals are more about the living than they are about the dead. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that means that not everybody at a funeral is there because they love somebody. Hmm. Um, but, um, they are important. They are part of, they are part of grieving and part of moving on. And I think probably in this case, like not just as, um, as a family, say for the Kennedys, but probably as a country to try and move on from like how this sort of thing might impact the political mindset of the nation. Right. Yeah. And, and, the, the, the sense of political optimism, because I do really think it did affect that in a huge way. Yeah, and a chance for you know a chance for Kennedy to rest as well. I guess like uh, he had a he had a very intense life and he was in a lot of pain all the time and you know so not to I I to maybe try to put like some type of good just maybe to try to put myself in the mindset of people who are there like that was maybe one thing that would have cheered you up is that like at least he's he gets to rest and he gets to chill out now you know and it's up to us to figure out all these problems <laughs> not him. <laughs> I could understand that. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I wonder so how Kennedy would have seen it. Well, he wanted to do Was this he ready thing. to stop? Yeah. No, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's buried, obviously, in Arlington National yeah. Cemetery. Uh, most, like, important military and uh, political people get buried there. Yeah, I think that we should get into Lee Harvey Oswald uh, and kind of close out that story uh before we wrap up this episode oh there's a few more things that i want to talk about we can talk about the zabruder film i guess a little bit if you want to do that and maybe we'll sure, yeah. maybe maybe a hint at the uh at the warren commission but uh let's talk about lee harvey oswald and what happened to him events uh right after he shot john f kennedy or didn't <laughs> depending on who you believe uh i call this section lee on the lamb okay why don't you start out the narrative okay i'm I'm gonna jump in so uh immediately after the shots are fired at kennedy uh police um hearing gunshots from the uh, texas book depository the texas school book depository they run in uh it's uh, deputy uh, eugene boone who actually finds the rifle uh one thing to note about the rifle is that it's worn and rusty it's not a new weapon uh and then the three spent cartridges are found uh by deputy luke mooney great names in this man eugene boone and luke mooney like that's a that's a buddy cop film names right in there. the south are like pretty <laughs> pretty fun sounding sometimes yeah uh shortly after uh oswald is arrested in the texas theater uh not before he kills another police officer uh tippet um yeah. and then there's the uh interrogation of oswald and we'll get into the records on that uh the tapes or do they exist or what's going on with the records of the interrogation of Lee Harvey Oswald? We'll talk about that later on. Uh, and Jack Ruby uh, kills uh, Lee Harvey Oswald very quickly uh, after those custody. events. Yeah, in police custody while he's being Less transported. Less than 48 hours after he's taken into custody, I think. Right. I believe that happens on November the 24th. Yeah, so two days. Yeah, so there's also theories around that, like how Jack Ruby was able to get that access and, you know, why Lee wasn't more just like better taken care of in police custody, right? Like, why did they give an opportunity for someone to kill him? That's kind of, I don't know. I feel like it might have been a preview of coming attractions for police in America, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the officer who is so there's another uh, we can call this you know uh, photo three of the episode I suppose Devin's really helping us out getting more photos of the episode which which I like uh, the photo of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald being killed which he's actually killed on television I think this is one of the first times that's ever happened if not the first. Uh, and the officer who is uh, handcuffed to him is uh, Jim Lavelle. And another uh, very famous quote from Jim Lavelle. Um, so he's basically handcuffed to Oswald as Oswald's being transported to say, you know, 
okay, we've got this guy in custody. He's safe. Like he's uh, handcuffed to this officer, right? Uh, and yeah. uh, Jim has a very famous quote, basically saying like to Oswald, man, if someone shoots at you, uh, I hope he's as good a shot as you are. <laughs> I read that somewhere. Yeah. You know, the interesting humor. thing about this photo is that you can't see Jack Ruby's face in it. Oh, wow. Right? Hmm. Okay. Like, because I'm looking at it right now and Jack Ruby isn't facing the camera. So yeah. for me, the, the photo isn't proof positive that he shot him. Now, of course, there's like seven people there Yeah. Uh, to corroborate. But, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, weird. I don't know if many people even dispute that, but interesting to note. Sure. Um, the look on Lavelle's face is like. <laughs> it's, I find it doesn't that whole... even look like fear. <laughs> I find the whole photo is cartoonish. I don't know why. It really is. Yeah, well, I mean, the photo the photographer captured it just at the moment where Oswald is making that. Yeah. I assume he's he's just felt the pain of it, right? And yeah. now he's reacting. Uh-huh. Um I wonder why there isn't any smoke or anything like that from the gun. Mm, could could just be uh the camera. But the or the moment that it was shot or just like the type of gun, right? Just like not one that doesn't have a lot of gunpowder i'm not sure but so, and this was you said taken on a video camera right um that one i'm not sure about either i think it is just a photo uh this okay. i think this is a photo but also the the event itself was, was on tv was on tv yeah so i think this photo uh might be by bob jackson if that makes sense anyways yeah well there was obviously quite a few like press people in that around right so yeah exactly yeah yeah, so a uh, pretty pretty nuts event, pretty um, pretty wild end for Oswald. Uh, he is actually, interestingly enough, operated on in the same hospital that Kennedy was operated on. Oh, really? Parkland uh, Memorial Hospital. Yeah, this is all happening in like the same, you know, <laughs> few right. Area, blocks yeah. of Dallas, right? So, uh, yeah, they're operated on in the same hospital, but not the same room even though it would have been a uh, procedure to uh, if uh, theater one was open, that Oswald yeah. would be brought in there after receiving those gunshot wounds. It's actually uh, room five that he's operated on. Cause Kennedy was operated on in room one, uh, like a few days, a day before. Yeah. A couple days before. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Kind of all I've got uh, on that stuff. We could talk a little bit about the Zep Bruder film if you want. Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, so the Zep Bruder film was taken by uh, just somebody who was in the square, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was videotaping right at the moment that pretty much everything happened. I mean, if anybody's ever seen some kind of film of the Kennedy assassination, I think probably they were seeing the Zep Bruder film. I can't imagine any other clip that's a as as clear to watch that it there isn't one this is the best yeah. the only one okay yeah yeah the most well it's the, the most complete it's there there's other photos and and videos and stuff uh there's actually 32 people uh who are taking photos and videos of the event so this is one of the 32 but it is the best one it's the most complete uh the longest the, the best angle as well right just the fact yeah. uh it was a- abraham and his wife uh lillian zapruder that's where it gets the name that's who shot it uh they just wanted yeah. like a, a good um good angle of the president as he was passing by the camera they used a uh, bell and howell home movie camera I just found that I was about to jump in and be like, oh, I'm doing it this time. Oh, you can do it. You have it. Okay. Well, tell us about. Well, the, it's a uh, Bell and Howell Zoomatic yeah. movie camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it takes uh, eight millimeter film. The film itself is 26 seconds uh, and the average frame rate is 18 frames per second. Um, yeah. The other stuff is just like so many things that people can look at on this film and analyze it. Uh, if you get into actually reading the documents like Devin and I have, you'll see people refer to like specific frames of this thing. Uh, they'll say like, Oh, well frame, you know, one thirty two shows this and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking right now at frame three seventy one, and it's Jackie reaching out to grab Clint Hill's hand. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it captures like pretty much everything, at least from that one angle. Right. 
Um, there is some weird stuff. I mean, it's not publicly aired until 1970. So that's, uh, you know, if you're thinking like it was immediately shown to the public, that's not the case. And there is some stuff with like the chain of custody and uh, frames being destroyed. So there, um, it was kind of passed around to a few different people. Uh, obviously, it was developed. One of the copies went to Zap Bruder. And uh, I think like uh, Time or whatever, Time Life magazine, whatever it was called at the time. Yeah, uh, they paid $150,000 for it. Yeah, and somewhere along the way, there's this thing of actual frames getting destroyed, frames missing from uh, the Zeppruder film. So something now, to look into. Do you think into. that just happened because it passed through too many hands? Or do you think that happened through some specific omission? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Your opinion? I don't know. My opinion? Yeah. Uh, like I haven't done enough of that type of work. The only thing that I can really like relate that to from my personal experience is like footage, right. That you have and you like categorize your footage and, and you make sure that, uh, that you keep everything and you back up and this and that. Uh, yeah. Like if you were a professional and someone entrusted you, especially something as important as this, like you wouldn't fuck it up. So it does, it stinks a little bit to me if you're asking. What you language. would, you would hope. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that, then again, I don't know that much about like film in particular. Um, but yeah, not I'm, only that, competence isn't them. always the standard yeah. in government. Yeah, yeah. So fair enough. <laughs> 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 to close this one out, though, I do want to discuss the Warren Commission a little bit. Uh, we won't get into their findings and that right now, uh, but just to to talk about some of the people who are on this thing. Uh, there are seven members of the Warren Commission. That's not to say that only these seven people touched it. It's actually a lot of like law clerks and things like that who who do the real work on this thing. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I do think that it is important to look into who these people are, kind of wonder why they were selected uh, for the committee, you know, why it was organized this way by Johnson. I think that's important to note as well, that this is like a presidential uh, presidential order. What do you call it? Um, an executive order. Executive order to, uh, to create this Warren Commission to, you know, look into the the events and really find who's culpable you know because obviously oswald got killed <laughs> yeah so yeah i uh, let's just go through those people uh earl warren the, yeah yeah that's the main one to mention he was the 14th chief justice of the united states mm -hmm. um so i think that probably it seems like a natural move to pick like a, a chief justice to be involved in a commission like this, right? I mean, like, not only does it involve the uh, the assassination of a president, it involves the commission of crime. Mm -hmm. um, and it might involve, um, you know, either things that happened which may be gray in the law or which may not have been uh, anticipated. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's um, not the worst. He's not the worst pick. Uh, we'll get no, into exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the worst pick next. Uh, <laughs> but it is one thing that is a little bit weird about this, though, is he's got to be the chief justice of the United States and the chair of the Warren commission at the same time. I so, guess there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. I not suppose. a conflict of interest, just a conflict of uh, maybe a conflict of interest. That's true. But just a conflict of energy, like who the fuck can do both of those things. That's a fair point actually. So he's obviously going to be distracted in one or the other. Right. And that's one thing that, that I don't, I don't know. Like I said, he's not the worst one. Uh, the, the worst one is Alan Dulles. <laughs> like I haven't, I have in my notes, Alan Dulles. Why is he here? He was the former director of the CIA. He yeah. literally got fired by John F. Kennedy. Right. So this is like, if uh, the if, worst person to have, dude, this is like if Tweety bird went missing. Uh, so you appoint uh, Sylvester. Sylvester the <laughs> it's as if they had put like, Dave Hoover on the commission too, you know, like, yeah, just any, anybody who hated, uh, Kennedy the most, you know, you're going to just, you're going to put him on there. Obviously. I mean, that's just, that's just good commissioning, you know, I thought uh, it'd be interesting that Gerald Ford was on this commission. Yeah. Uh, he actually worked on the, uh, Oswald bio 
that section was uh, was mainly Gerald Ford's territory. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerald Ford, of course, goes on to become president and uh, very famously pardons Richard Nixon. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. What a legacy. Uh, <laughs> what a legacy indeed. La- uh, Richard Russell Jr. He's another guy on this commission. Uh, do you know anything about uh, this guy? He was the governor of Georgia for a couple of years, and then he moved on to a Senate seat, and he stayed there from, I think, straight from the 30s into the 70s, I believe. He was a mainstay of American politics for a very long time. Yeah, one of his uh, biggest thing, uh, what he really loved talking about, segregation, all for it, thought it was great. Uh, he was a co-author of the Southern Manifesto with Strom Thurmond. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Strom Thurmond before, uh, but if you have, then you'll probably know that this Southern Manifesto wasn't about barbecue. <laughs> Who picked these? Well, LBJ picked these people. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, John John Sherman. Uh, this guy kind of d- makes sense, I mean, in terms of like... Uh, a guy to to do this. He's a senator. He was most famous for opposing the Vietnam War. So that one I don't hate. Uh, Hale Boggs, uh, member of the House, another segregationist, so not someone who would have been uh, allied with Kennedy. And then uh, we talked about Jared Ford, but you also have this fella here. And this is a real, this is a real conspiracy uh, teaser one. So if you go and Google this guy, John J. McCloy, uh, you'll find out that he has ties to the OSS, which was the predecessor to the CIA, uh, obviously yeah. has ties to the CIA. So this guy is uh, deeply embedded into um, like American uh, secret uh, agencies from the beginning. And also, he's the former president of the World Bank, Devin. That I didn't know. Yeah, so. uh, I knew he served as Secretary of War during World War Two. That was mm-hmm. uh, the one that sat that really poked out of his resume for me. Um, it's just such an interesting group of people to choose to do this, um, and it it kind of makes me wonder about um, LBJ's political affiliations, right? Like, I mean, I know he was a Democrat from the South, but he was huge on civil rights. Um, why would he have picked people like Richard Richard Russell and Hale Boggs? It not that segregation has anything to do with this, but why them? You do have to ask yourself, right? Like why the why these people there must be some logic to it, right? But the yeah. the way that things unfold as well afterward, uh, you know, with especially with like Gerald Ford and stuff like that, you're wondering about, you know, Maybe are people being rewarded for what or or different things going on? It just, yeah, it's the way that they set this up. Maybe they didn't want to, you know, make it suspicious. But some of Alan Dulles is a pretty suspicious pick to put on this thing. And interestingly enough, like I mentioned, you know, Earl Warren, he's pretty busy, right? He's not going to be there yeah. for everything. Alan Dulles attended the most meetings. He put in the most time, the most hours to this. He took it personally how this thing was going to unfold and and what were going to be the findings of this thing. That's really interesting to note because that gives him a huge amount of control in forming that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, the narrative at the end of it being, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald shot him alone with no involved conspiracy. The end. That's right. Yeah, the end. And let's not even consider anything else, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, we're going to we're going to consider some other stuff in the next podcast. Before uh, we get out of here, though, I do want to, uh, if I can, Devin, you know, just kind of we, we like to end these episodes with kind of what we learned by uh by reading into this stuff right and and we we did a lot of praising kennedy in the last episode right uh we also we also were quite critical of him uh where he made mistakes and and the things that he uh that he screwed up right and i think it's fair to to look at both um you mentioned the the thing of succession right and one of the things that you have to judge uh a leader on is succession right and let me just ask you this like 
the way that things went down here, does it show that um, Kennedy wasn't that skilled of a politician? Was he not that skilled of a president? Uh, the fact that he basically got ensnared into a trap any way that you want to look at it, right? Uh, I think one bad choice doesn't negate the good things that he did, right? Yeah. Like, he still he still navigated through the Cuban Missile Crisis, but unfortunately, you know, that, that choice of succession and where it led to and how he got drawn into everything, it probably sent America down the lesser of, of two good roads. You know what I mean? Like, um, America's story, as far as resolving itself, isn't finished yet. It's still a, a nation with a huge amount of division, with a huge amount of, of strife and conflict. Um, and I think that maybe uh, a Kennedy-guided path might have been maybe a little bit better for developing that and growing America forwards as a society. Mm -hmm. But uh, like you say, he, he was going to get caught up in that trap maybe either way. doesn't mean he was a bad president, but it, it does mean he maybe made a bad decision. Yeah. But and, yeah. the other question is, is would he have been elected, elected without LBJ on his ticket? Yeah, I think one of like the, the, the thing that I'm kind of taking away from it is like, just don't don't have heroes to that degree. Like, don't get so... Don't get so obsessed with like somebody else like saving you, I guess. Don't try to have a savior. <laughs> At least yeah. uh yeah, like one who like any person is going to have faults, right? Kennedy had a lot of faults and like to be honest, like he's dead now, guys. So we do we can we can take uh, inspiration from him and an and example. Um but at the end of the day, like it's up to us. Like it's up to us to to figure this stuff out right and i i think there's almost something a little bit um sort of human humanizing and inspiring about the fact that kennedy wasn't perfect right like that you can objectively look at what his intentions were and what he did as a president and say okay he he wanted to do good and he did good but like that doesn't mean that he was a perfect person but that that also means that like any imperfect person has that potential to get into that position and do good you know what I mean? Because we're never going to elect a perfect person that doesn't exist. Um, but there's some inspiring element to the fact that, you know, like that he had these these very human fallacies, you know, that he was a philanderer and that he, he loved to party and stuff like that. Yeah. I find it relatable anyways. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's almost more inspiring um, to learn like the the full story of the person, right? Because every time that I mean, you know, I at this point in my life, I like to think that I'm, you know, not jaded, but at least that I'm like savvy to that. And when a perfect story is presented, I'm always wondering, like, you know, like with the Michael Jordan thing, like nobody could be the person who was sold to us as this guy, Michael Jordan, right? Like, so now when I see something, I'm always wondering like, yo, what's the, what's the real story? And you know, there's the real story with Kennedy is, uh, he obviously wasn't a perfect person and he obviously made, uh, made some mistakes. I don't think that you can really blame him for getting killed, I guess. Right. That's not really his fault. <laughs> it isn't his fault at all. No. Um, but maybe you can blame him for leaving Johnson in charge, right? Because that was his choice. That I do yeah. blame him for. So, yeah. And I mean, like, there's a lot of people who would disagree with me about Johnson. Obviously, nobody's universally good or bad, and he did good things. But obviously, um, having gotten into it and probably going to get into it next episode, I'll just say that uh, a lot of those good things were probably heavily balanced out by some really bad things that he did. For sure. For sure. Maybe yeah. some really, really bad things. Yeah, potentially. I mean, he did really bad things because the Vietnam War was really bad, but you know what I mean. We'll get into... There's more bad things. <laughs> there's more bad but stuff. But that raises a question. Can you... Could a person be the president of the United States for a four-year period without doing a bad thing? No. Is it possible? No, probably not. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Carter got the closest, but... Uh, <laughs> and look how that went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this has been a, a rad episode, Devin. Uh, thank you for jumping on here early in the morning. Thank you for doing all the research, man, because that's the biggest part of this, honestly. Like, it's it's an hour of recording the podcast, but uh, the research is the big thing. And uh, I, just really I like appreciate reading the autopsy reports and stuff anyways. I, I, I would do that stuff in my spare time, so it's like... 
Yeah, it is cool. It is very cool. And to to find those sources that you like, and it, it is like a treasure hunt in a way that I do truly enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, I do have to tell you guys, if you want to check out more stuff uh, from Devin, Devin's working on some podcast stuff. So uh, just, just, just keep listening. Keep yep. listening. Yep. And uh, we'll be telling you stuff about that. Um, as for following this podcast, uh, Devin, where can people find this podcast? Well, obviously, they can find it on Instagram. They can. They can find it on Spotify. They can. They can find it on Apple Podcast. Indeed. And there was, I think, a new one that you mentioned that I wasn't aware of last oh, week. I believe. There's Overcast. Overcast. There you, you can go. find it on there. I don't even, I never even heard of it until I looked at analytics and it's there. Uh, YouTube. Uh, oh, yeah. You can check out our Patreon. You can give us money <laughs> if you want to. Uh, there's there's no bonus episodes or anything like that left uh, yet, I, I should say. But maybe if we... Just uh, out of the goodness of your hearts. Yeah, yeah. If you want to like uh, throw us a, a Canadian dollar or an American dollar, that's cool. Uh, and there's, we call that uh, a loony. A, lo- a loony or even a toonie. Uh, and you yeah. can also go on YouTube. You can find the podcast on YouTube. For our something random, uh, normally I do a legit something random, but today I want to uh, plan out the something random, which kind of goes against the whole ethos of the something random. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, so I'm going to end this one on a joke for you guys. So there's the, this, this history professor, right? He's a uh, he's doctor of history. Doctor, um, Dr. Cummings, let's call him. No, that's not. Let's call him uh, Doctor Doctor Ford. Doctor Ford. Doctor Ford. He's a professor of history. Uh, So he's teaching, and he goes home, and he's got uh, his young son. His son says, "Dad, I heard that you were uh, a a doctor, right, in your work." And and does that mean that does that mean that you heal people, right? So Doctor Ford says. No, no, I'm a doctor of history. So that means, you know, that I have a doctorate, but I, I'm dealing with history. So the son thinks about it for a second and he looks back at his dad and he says, Oh, so that means that you cure people in the past? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>